Welcome into the Think Deeper podcast. Jack Wilkie with you here once again, joined by Joe Wilkie and Will Harib. We've got one today on honoring your parents. Uh, a simple command, one that you kind of think, yeah, I know about that, and move on. Uh, I think it's a lot bigger issue and, and a lot more neglected today in today's world than, uh, than we might think. And so it'll be an episode I hope you find interesting, encouraging, and challenging. Before that, though, we want to tell you about we've we're rolling out a new focus press site still working out some bugs but uh it looks great uh joe uh, and another guy put a lot of hard work in on that and one of the things we want to tell you about on there is the focus press seminars um all four of us uh, brad harab will harab joe and i uh, do speaking engagements for churches uh, we have different topics that we we like to talk on and some of them you probably can pick up on from the podcast of, of what joe and will and i uh, really have a passion about, but uh, the exciting thing is we're all going to be, uh, well, let's see, three of us in the Nashville area, Will, North Alabama, and so very central to a lot of the churches of Christ, and um, yeah, I think it's just a great way we want to get out and meet more Christians, meet more congregations, uh, introduce you guys to the work of Focus Press. Um, if you are a fan of the podcast, especially if you're a church leader, if you're an elder or a preacher, We'd love to meet you, love to tell you more about our work, love to, to come and do a meeting or a seminar for you. If you're a member, uh, don't bug your leaders too much, but hey, if, if the chance <laughs> to suggest speakers comes up, uh, maybe point them our way. But Joe, uh, tell them about some of the things we cover. Yeah, I think we got, uh, obviously everybody knows, I would I would assume most of our listeners would know Brad's um, Christian Evidences Seminar. He does yeah, some great if, things. If they've on, heard of us, they've heard of Brad. <laughs> I was going to say, that I would assume, and if you haven't, well, bless you, that'd be incredible. Um, but no, I think everybody is is very familiar with that. His Christian, uh, Christian Evidences is fantastic. His Christian Ethics stuff is really good. But Jack, you get into, you got a couple different ones, um, both of which are just fantastic. Uh, he's got, your first, I think, is is The Lost Generation. And that's examining, of course, our our age group. They're gone. Where are they in the church? Rate, yeah. Dropout rate. And what we can do about it, that's really good. Your Church Reset Seminar course is fantastic going along with the book. Um, so that's those two I can't recommend enough. Those are amazing. Will's got some good stuff. Um, aiming Youth and Families Toward Success, Casual Christianity, looking at, you know, what is actual success and, and joy versus happiness, things like that. And then I come in on the... Um, more difficult topics that most people don't want seminars on but See, but that's um, the key is joe's the guy that will come in and talk about the things that, that you don't want to talk about uh well, you know, I, the things that <laughs> the the difficult to handle subjects so yeah i got the silent epidemic is what i call it it's, it's all on pornography how to begin to get out of pornography addiction i can't promise that you'll be out of it after five sessions but you know how to to get out of pornography god's design for holy sexuality why did God design sex? Why is that important? Um, and how are we as as a church to kind of handle that issue and talk about it, healing emotional wounds, you know, kind of working on that idea. And then I also have a youth seminar on understanding why, asking why do we do the things that we do? Uh, why, why I baptize? Why? But, you know, why is transgenderism wrong? Why is, um, why is abortion wrong? Why is pornography wrong? And things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about all the different seminars that we have to offer at Focus Press. Uh, so many good things. Everybody again knows Brad's. I, I'd say keep keep scheduling Brad. It's so good. But if you are looking for something a little bit different, all three of us offer offer something a little different as well. So um, just something to keep on in in the back of your mind, on the back burner, so to speak, for when you need it. That's right. Yeah, check out focuspress.org. It's got contacts for each of the four of us if you're interested in scheduling a seminar. And again, uh, we've we've met a bunch of you since we started Think Deeper earlier this year, and it's it's always a joy, always fun to talk the podcast, talk Bible with you guys. And so uh, we want to get on the road a little bit and do a little more of that. All right, with that, let's get into this week's episode. So our topic that we want to get into today is one that pretty much applies to, to everybody, uh, we want to talk about uh, the concept of honoring our parents, uh, and I say it—you know—pretty much applies to everybody because, again, most people, um, if you're under the age of sixty, again, generically speaking, you've still got your parents around. Um, this is a concept that has a lot of questions around. There's a lot of nuance to this idea of honoring parents. Um, obviously, it's a very important concept biblically. God has a lot to to say about honoring parents. That's something that appears, obviously, as one of the Ten Commandments. It's something that. Paul repeats repeatedly um, in the in the New Testament in his letters, and so we wanted to get into the details of this because again, there, there's a lot of questions surrounding this as far as um, you know 
at, at what point does obedience need to turn into honor? You know, um, how do you handle the failings of your parents? There's this kind of societal push of just kind of pushing your parents to the side of, well, I'm, you know, spend as little amount of time with your parents as you possibly can. There's the question of dealing with the elderly. How do we handle nursing homes? So I don't want to give a, the complete spiel of, of everything that we're going to get into, but there's, there's a lot to this episode that we want to dive into with this idea of honoring parents. And so again, regardless of, of your age, if you're, if you're 20, if you're 30, 40, 50, however old you are, there are going to be precepts in this episode that are going to apply to you and maybe questions that you have about, hey, how do I honor my parents at this age? How do I honor my parents with this situation, with this issue? And we're obviously not going to be able to hit every single one, but we want to do it to the best of our ability. So I'm going to kick it over to Jack to get this thing started uh, with kind of maybe more of the direction of where we want to go with this episode. Yeah, it's something that uh, a few years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago, I don't know, I remember just seeing coming up as jokes on on like late night TV, things like that, of really around the holidays of kind of the dread of oh, I've got to go spend time with my family, I've got to go see my parents again, and oh, and and memes about this and the anxiety about being around family members again, and and kind of wanting to do the the friends giving thing because these are the people I really want to spend my time around, but I guess I have to go to my parents, and and then you see things more and more migrate to actually you don't have to. You don't have to spend time around parents, around family members, you know, toxic, abusive. You guys, uh, I, I think I've brought that up a few times. So people kind of use those words to say, I don't have to treat somebody in, in the way that God might have me do because, oh, they were toxic, they were abusive. And we're going to get to those kind of relationships with their parents and boundaries and things like that. But we really live in a time where we're hyper-focused on our rights. What is my right? What do I have a right to do? What do I not have to do? But biblically, there's a lot of focus on our duties, our duties to our, our fellow man, our duties to our fellow Christians, the duties to honor our parents, obey your parents. Um, and, and those duties aren't always just for little kids uh, towards parents. Honoring your father and mother goes toward their the, the gray-headedness. You know, Proverbs talks about that, kind of the agedness and things like that. And that rights and duties thing is closely related to the idea of expectations and reality. And there seems to be this expectation that unless you had perfect parents, you don't have duties toward them. And realizing your parents are people, they're humans, they're going to be failed people, they're going to have done things wrong, things that maybe were wrong for them to do, like morally wrong, sins for them to do towards you. Um, but that doesn't absolve us of the duties that are not only honoring our parents, but also having a spirit of forgiveness, uh, working through things with people, going... And, and so it's a really hard thing, but we live in a time where we think our generation has everything right, and we are correcting or have corrected all of the wrongs of the past, and and kind of where... That we think we're better than everyone that came before us. And ideally... Every generation would be better than their predecessors, but we also live in a fallen world in which each generation is going to bring their own sins and temptations in, so we might not be better than our predecessors, and to assume that we are, that we are more moral, more level-headed, more righteous than our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, they had their failings. They very clearly had their failings uh, on an individual level, on a, on a big level, on a societal level, but... I, I think there's a lot of these biblical commands, number one, that we still have to apply, and number two, maybe not be so sure of ourselves and our own righteousness as well. And so that's that's kind of a broad overview of, of the angles on this, but we're going to get into specific applications of it um, and, and how it applies. Anything you guys want to add on, on our intro here? Well, yeah, so, and Joe, I'm sorry you haven't gotten in yet. I'll hand it over to you here in a second. But there's a, there's a lot of overlap here with an episode that was one of, one of our first ones about the, the generation wars. And how, you know, it, it, it's kind of always existed that the idea that the next generation kind of dislikes the, the previous generation. They kind of butt heads. And, you know, we talked about how on that episode that that's gotten a lot worse of, you know, the OK boomer mentality or the, oh, the, those millennials are just so self-absorbed, that kind of thing. And so we're not going to necessarily be talking about that. But I think there is that that kind of mindset has has leaked in a bit to in a much more personal way. It's not just a a dislike or a disdain for previous generations, but that overlaps with a dislike or disdain for your parents again, or the, the previous generations as it applies to your parents. And so, um, again, th this is just a kind of a concept that you, you really see with a lot of younger people is the, 
just, again, I don't know a better word than just disdain for their parents, just disregard for their parents. They seem to ignore all the, the, the blessings. And, the, and again, not everybody has perfect parents. Nobody has perfect parents, I should say. But, you know, I understand not everybody, not everybody's parents did what they should have. But for those that did, it's important for us to recognize the blessings that they that they were able to provide for us the 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 diligence that they did put into raising us to be faithful christians and so again there's some overlap there with just the disdain for the generation between the generations that applies to the the kids and parents thing as well Uh, but joe what do you have to add well i just think jack you hit on it that expectations um is is so difficult like i think this generation this is why we're called entitled so much and i think every generation to a certain degree is entitled but we weren't promised perfection. Nobody's been promised perfection, but it seems like this generation has just really stuck on that point more than previous generations. Like in the past, yeah, my parents weren't, you know, I know they were, they were imperfect and we're kind of, um, we're, I think they were able to overlook some wrongs. There's a lot of alcoholism. There's a lot of things, especially coming back from the war. There's, you know, there, there were just a lot of issues that I think, I don't know if you want to say excuses were made for them, but there was just more context, I think. And so the expectations versus the reality of what we've given has been difficult. But with that, I don't really have much more to add to the intro. Jack, you got something? Well, I want to say, I think this is important to establish that this is not if you had perfect parents or great parents, you know, and, and not even parents directly, but generationally. You look at the world that was given to our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and the world they're passing on, a world with a crashed economy, a government that's a disaster, drag queen story hour and pride parades and things like that, they oversaw that decline. And so to look back and and to look at the church, they oversaw the mega church and the consumerism and and all that that rose up and and a weakened church and generational faithfulness declining with each passing generation and churches that were full of hundreds of people that now have, you know, dozens of people. Uh, and, And so you look at like, not great. The results speak for themselves. I mean, you look in the Old Testament, the cycle of judges and the kings and all that and the faithful generations that return to God and the ones that stray from God. And as a society... We are on the tail end of generations that have strayed from God. And so that kind of establishes there are problems. There are things to look back on and say, this was not done well. And with that in mind, we're attacking the idea of honoring your parents, that there's still a duty to honor. There's still uh, an issue there. Yeah. Yeah, And and in the Old Testament, honoring your parents was such a big deal. Obviously, it's one of the the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment, uh, honor your father and mother. And God attaches so much to that. That's the first commandment with a promise, Ephesians tells us, that you're it's going to go well with you in the land. That you know, And, and some people take that you know, uh, to mean like long life, the promise that's attached to that. But it's not really that, I don't think. I mean, it can be. But generally speaking, you guys are going to occupy the promised land as long as you keep this up. And if, when you don't, if you don't honor your parents, if, if generationally you don't keep this going on, you're going to lose the land that you have. And so, which they did end up losing. Absolutely, right. and right. that's why there's such strong things in Exodus 21, right after the Ten Commandments. It says, "Anyone who strikes father or mother shall be put to death." And then two verses later, "Anyone who curses his parents shall be put to death." Like they were so protective, God was so protective of His land and the generational passing on of of the Word, the Law, uh, you know, everything they're supposed to do. That like anybody who's not on board with this is not allowed in your society, should be put to death. And so that's how seriously God takes honoring your your father and mother and passing on these things, uh, the duties of parents to kids and kids to parents. And so now obviously we, we're not advocating stoning kids to death for those things today, but we're saying God took it that seriously then. We have to take it that seriously now. It is interesting that, you know, in the Ten Commandments, the children honoring your parents, honor your parents and Lord for this is right, um, like that's what gets focused on is the children's responsibility to the parents and the parents obviously we know from Ephesians 6 Colossians 3 uh, like the parents do have a responsibility that's a lot of what um, Proverbs is about the relationships back and forth but a lot of parenting advice to the kids and making sure that we're not provoking them making sure you train the child in the way you should go don't spare the rod spoil the child those type of things right a lot of parenting principles but in the Ten Commandments it's the kids to the parents. And that's why I think this is so important, why we wanted to tackle this. And like you said, Jack, perfectly, I'm not going to go into it too much, but um, this is fully recognizing. So for those that are saying, well, my parents were perfect, we realize that. Nobody's parents were perfect. We realize 
the generations have left us in a tough spot. And so we want to jump into that. And, and Jack, you'd already kind of kicked off the idea of the land promise in, in Exodus, but I want to get into this idea of obey versus honor. When is it that this is where the rubber meets the road and what I think is so difficult is especially, I'm going to throw out, we're going to discuss the age um, kind of portion of it, but when when do we stop having to obey and the honor takes over? What is the difference between obey and honor? And do you think, this is throwing, I guess, a third question out here, but America has 18, right? When you turn 18, basically, you're out of the house, you get to do whatever you want. Um, you don't really have any responsibility to come back and, and honor or obey your parents, either one of them, seemingly. What do we think about that? Do we think that at 18, you ha- you can stop obeying them, but you still need to honor them? Like, semantically speaking, getting into the nitty gritty here. Let's first start with the obvious question. I'll throw it to either one of you, maybe Will. The difference between obeying and honoring, is there a difference between obeying and honoring? Right, and so when you were first kind of throwing that out there, my mind went to, well, can you obey without honoring your parents? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would think so. You, you know, you can obey in a the wrong sort of spirit, you know, you can, you know, just do it grumbling, complaining the whole time, you know, you, you can obey in, in such a way where, right, grudgingly, can you honor your parents without obeying them? And I think that's where we, we really get to this because the, the, I would say the average view, even among those in the church is that, Hey, once they hit 18, you really don't have any control. And you know, where we really see this is when we start talking about elders, right? Not to go off into that, but you know, if somebody's child is unfaithful, they say, well, you know, they were faithful up to 18. And then after 18, they, they kind of make their own choices. And they, if they go off the deep end, you know, that's kind of their decision. And so, you know, in a lot of people's view, those elders are still qualified. And so we do kind of have this tendency to view 18 as the age. Also, if they're still, or if they, if they're still living under the house, a lot of people will say, okay, well, if you're still living under your parents' house, then you have an obligation to, uh, but even again, there, there, there again, some folks would say you don't necessarily have to obey, you know, if a 23 year old is living under their parents' roof and the, the mom tells them to go to the grocery store, do they absolutely have to obey? And so that's what we want to get into. And that's the difficult portion of it is you go to Genesis two, and this is just me kind of throwing out all the sides here. You go to Genesis two, when does a man leave his father and mother? When, when marriage takes place, right? Man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. However, uh, we were kind of talking off air. What if that never happens? Or what if, what if you're 38 and you have not, you haven't gotten married yet? We did an episode on singleness a while back. And so, are you still obligated to obey every single grocery store command? You know, I'm, I'm kind of picking out the minor ones here. But are you still obligated to obey every single thing? And then, what about if you're not married? Or what if you are married? Can you honor without obeying? And so, I didn't really answer it. I just kind of threw out all. Yeah, of those, so we're gonna throw it to um, Jack. Through, so through Jack those sides. Yeah, so Jack's the, yeah, the smart one here. But I wanted to I wanted to, to couch it in those ways to that's what we're talking about when we're when we're talking about this difference. Can you honor without obeying? You know, the, the age thing here. So Jack, what do you have to, to say to when I lay it out that way? Yeah, so you know, children obey your parents. Um I I need to pull up the Greek word. I guess I should have done that before on, on children. Um but our children obey your parents, but then honor your father and mother is not, you know, to children. That's a general, and right. and that's a command that's put right next to murder, adultery, like a, adult sins, you know, quote unquote. It's not uh, a command given to ten year olds, right? Obviously. And, and it, I, I, yeah. I think it applies to ten year olds, you know, because it, it sure, is sure. brought back around to uh, apply to them later. But um, I think honor your father and mother is a lifetime thing. There does come a point, you know, at which, uh, you know, I live states away from my parents right now if my mom calls and says uh hey you need to come up here and uh you know help me plant a garden right now honoring her you know i I would like to do that and if i could make that happen maybe but like am i obligated am i sinning if i don't do that no um whereas if i you know when i was at home and it was hey go out and pull the weeds yeah, I, I had to do that. That was uh, something I had to do. And so that is something, there there are phases of that as you grow into your own adulthood, you grow into your own responsibilities, your own family, things like that. But the honoring is still there. And we're going to get later on to the honoring the elderly, uh, how that honoring evolves as, as they grow older and 
um, you know, taking care of them and things like that. But I, I'm glad you brought up the elder thing. Uh, my dad always talked about there's kind of a funny math in the church of basically we don't expect kids to get baptized until they, you know, early teens, 12, 13, 14. Uh, and then, of course, when they're out of the house at 18, the parents aren't responsible for them. And so really, you just need kids who are Christians for a four year window. And if they hit that, then, OK, he's good to be an elder. Like, right. that's not really the spirit of that passage, you know, when it says having believing children. Um, and I think that goes to indicate, you know, the, the work of the parents is how that extends when the kid leaves the house. How much, not not control, because if if the parents still have to control them and, and call them on Sunday morning, like, get up and go get out of bed and go to church, something went wrong. You know, it's, right. you know, honoring your father and mother is honoring their teachings. That's a big part of those Proverbs things is how you are honoring your parents and, and showing them uh, glory and, and, and gratitude and all that is taking the good teachings they've given you and living a wise life according to those principles. And so that's part of what you're expected to do as well. Even if it's not direct obedience, it's the indirect obedience of who the kind of person they've taught you to be. And so I want one more thing before we move out of this point, but I think, Joe, you had something before I kind of Attack well, I, I did just look up the the Greek, which I think is interesting. It's technon. Do you do you um, have your concordance this this week, Joe? <laughs> Here we go. Uh, no concordance. Sure. No, it's okay. it's, it's logos <laughs> and my Greek because I'm super super smart here. Right. So technon um, is children. Which, correctly, yes, correct? technon is children and an offspring of human parents. Um, oh, okay. It says well, a child, but at the same, but at the more broad descendants from a common ancestor. Descendants, posterity is the second definition. The third is one who is dear to another, but without genetic relationship, without distinction in age. My child Onesimus, my true child in the faith. Um, those are not young. Yeah, we know they're young men, but not like five-year-olds when he's talking about Timothy and right. he's using technon. So you know, there does I, seem I, I to think, be though, a that Ephesians and Colossians generic. contextually are about little children. Um, yeah, I would know, say younger. bringing them up in the nurture and admission of the Lord and, and all that. And so, you know, that word I think is more age-specific in those. That goes to the other part that I was going to bring up is on this honoring how that happens and, and the kind of kids that grow into adults who do honor their parents are those that will start learning it at a young age. And so we're not going to get into a parenting podcast. Nobody wants to hear guys our age talk about parenting. But I think a lot of modern parenting is teaching your kids they don't need to honor you, uh, that they don't have that duty to you. Right. Um, you know, teaching them, we've talked before about the counting thing. I'll count to five and then you need to obey. That's teaching them not to obey you up to a point, you know, when... Uh, and so expecting that respect, teaching that in this house, that's what we do is we respect each other. We respect, we respect mother and father, um, but that they would grow with that and take it with them into their adulthood. And as Christian adults, whether you were taught that a kid or, or not, you still have to honor your father and mother. You might not have to obey them at this point in your life, I think is the point we're getting at with this point. You do have to show them honor. Let me also say this. Kids will pick up on your relationship with your wife. So a lot of times, you know, how the husband treats the wife is how the the male children will cheat, treat the mom, right? I would also say how you treat your parents, if the grandparents are around, how you treat your parents can and often does mirror how your kids treat you, even into their older age. So just from a, from once again, kind of a systems theory perspective, seeing the system of the family and how it operates, when your kids see you disrespect your parents, you don't think they're learning as to how they treat you. You're the offspring. And so the disrespect and, and the blatant, like calling your parents out and, or, you know, as soon as they leave, just running down the grandparents because, well, you know, they always do this or they always do that. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's helpful. I, th I think the kids see that and it sets a horrible precedent for them. And so, no, you don't have to obey. I don't think in terms of like when it comes, when, when you are, being pushed by your parents when you are a man standing out on your own. At the same time, consider the example you're giving maybe to others around you. Now, for the single question, I want to go back to the 18. 18 to me is very arbitrary. Very, Why didn't we pick yeah. 20? Why didn't we pick 15, right? In in certain states, like in Colorado, you can make your own decisions medically and, and even on the mental health perspective at 15. I couldn't have parents, if I was working with a 15-year-old, they had to sign their own intake. I couldn't have parents do it because it had to be um, it had to be the 15-year-old the doing it. So they're old enough to make their own mental health choices. Why not just say they're, they're liberated at, at 15? It's very arbitrary. We're trying to determine when are you most a man. And the problem is 18-year-olds, I'm sorry to all 18-year-olds listening, they're stupid. They are just at that point figuring out the world. 
they're they're asking all the right questions, but this is why it's so dangerous to send them off to secular colleges where they get their brain pumped full of of liberal ideology is this is right at the time where you're really forming your opinions of the world. And when you take them away from the family structure, away from the home, they end up hating mom and dad so often because, well, this is my time to be free. This is my time to go out and explore who I am. And it's like, that's the most pivotal moment for you to explore who you are within your family and within the world, not just not just on your own. And so um, we want to use those times when you are 18, 19, 20, 21, when you're asking those questions. I think one of the best things my parents did is have us go to online school. We didn't end up taking the traditional college route. We stayed home. We plugged into our churches. I ended up doing a lot more preaching at that time. And it was great. And that's not to get into this, but but I do think that there is this idea that once you're 18, you can just check out of life, check out of your family. And a lot of these kids never end up coming back. Well, it's think because about, we have think trained about, them that that's okay. Well, think about why that is. I mean, again, don't want to get too far into this, but at age 13, when we give them that label teenager, what does society expect of them with their parents, right? The expectation is, oh, well, they're they're in that phase where they're just not going to like their parents, right? They're in they're that. And so you, you brought up 18. That starts really all the way back at age 12, 13, 14. Right. When, again, society, even members of the church, we, we expect young people to, well, you know what? They're just in that phase. The problem is that phase ends up lasting far longer than it should, right? Right. And so right. that's the issue here. Um, but I want to get into, go ahead, unless you had something. No, else I was just going to say, but then you have guys like Jordan Peterson coming around who are, um, you know, they're, they're basically pushing the, the boys back to their father saying, you need to take care of your relationship with your dad. You need yeah. to reestablish that relationship. And it went off the rails years ago, but nobody ever really helped it. And so you have a lot of kids that don't know how to honor their parents. They, they really don't have a relationship with their parents because they started hating them at 13. And when it should have been short up. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, when you're asking the difficult questions, your parents' wisdom would come in, you're off at college getting wisdom from your right. beer-drinking buddies or from your liberal professors. And so you come back, you disagree with your parents on things, and this is why you have an entire generation of our age, 25 to maybe 35, who have zero relationship with their parents. I'm, I'm not 25 yet, Joe. I'm quite a bit That's younger right. than y'all. So That's right. Yeah, so you're a young whippersnapper. <laughs> you're in, you're still asking questions of life. Thank goodness you have us to, to answer them for you. Yeah, exactly. Day. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, this, this time period in life, I think it's so pivotal that we do, and part of honoring our parents is listening to their wisdom. It doesn't mean we agree with everything. It doesn't mean we have to obey everything they that's, say, that's... but it is listening to what they have. That's literally what Proverbs is about. You know, me, right. and, me and my right. wife were doing a a, um, a study of, of Proverbs chapter 4 just last week or so. And it's so interesting, all the, the pronouns that are used, and I'm just going to isolate Proverbs 4 because that's where we were. Uh, when, you know, hear my children, he says, verse 2, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Verse 4, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands. That's not God talking there. That's the father talking to his right. son saying, I have these things for you, you know, pay attention to them, heed them, um, you know. And so I, I just found that interesting. When we were studying it that, you know, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live, get wisdom, get understanding. That's the father talking to the son. That's that's not a that's not God speaking, saying, you know, listen to my words. Now, obviously, in this context, the father's words and doctrine and commands are going to be based on God, of course. But it's so interesting that that's the pattern that's laid out there is that the fathers are the ones that have the doctrine, the words, the commands, the law, that they are passing on, obviously based on God's, but that's that that speaks to the exact point that you were just hitting on. And this is conjecture, but how old do you think Solomon's sons were? Because as he's talking right. about, don't go out with the with the prostitute, basically, like don't go out with the harlot, you think he's speaking to a six-year-old there? You know, I'm going to tell my son, my, my four-year-old son, hey, don't hang out on the street corners with the Watch harlot. Watch out for I mean, the seductress, on. yeah. Exactly, like right. he's speaking to seemingly... Definitely older kids. If, if they are children, then they got to be pushing the 16, 17, 18. We would, I would assume maybe even older. And he's still expecting them to listen. Incline your ear to my words. He's going to say a lot um, throughout Proverbs. And so it, it's, it's a, I think the principles are, hey, even into your adulthood, you need to be listening to your parents and you should be honoring them. And the parents shouldn't arbitrarily be putting things on you. It should be out of my wisdom. This is what I've learned, good, bad, or otherwise. So I want to get us into this next kind of aspect of what we've got here on our outline, and that is what do we do about our parents' failings, right? What do we do about their shortcomings? And I'll kind of set it up, and then, Jack, you've been out of it for a minute. I'll, I'll give it back to you here. 
Um, but there's there's kind of two sides to this that the pendulum can kind of swing back and forth from. Again, talking about parents and their failings, their shortcomings, we've already established nobody's got perfect parents. And so what do you do with their failings? So the one side of things is that kind of this idea of, well, you know, they're doing the best that they can. And so we almost don't attach any accountability to them because they're quote unquote trying their best. And so we almost, again, we don't account for those failings or those shortcomings. That's one side. Whereas the other side is we basically boil them down to being nothing more than their shortcomings. That's what they're defined by. That's They are their failings. And so that's the only thing we focus on. And that pendulum can swing back and forth. And so Jack, I'll open it up to you since you have more wisdom and experience than me. <laughs> um, how do we deal with this one? How do we deal with the failings and, and the shortcomings of our parents? Yeah, that, that one side is not healthy. Of Well, they're trying their best, and and I think even some parents might have that of, well, I did the best I could, so you just need to deal with it. Like, well, we're going to talk a little bit about the need to own up to it if you can uh, and, and be open to criticism and or, or just feedback. But we really live in this anti-authoritarian time, which we, we had an episode on submission, right? And we talked about the levels of submission. There's government, elders, parents, you know, father, husband, wife. Uh, and with each of those, it's so easy to basically say if they're not any good at their job or if, if they overst- if they misstep in their leadership, I don't have to submit. I don't have to honor them. Uh, that's not true. You know, we talked about and, and a lot of Christians understand that with the government that, hey, we're still supposed to honor them. We're not supposed to, you know, curse the government. Even if we think they're doing a terrible job, there's still an honor that's due to the office. And the same goes with elders. Maybe you disagree with your elders a lot, but there's still an honor that goes to that role that they occupy that you need to show. And and, uh, so much counsel to husbands and wives basically says, well, if the husband doesn't lead well, if he's not doing his job well, you really don't need to submit to him. You don't need to honor and respect your husband. That's not what it says at all. And the same goes to this parental relationship of looking at your parents' shortcomings. And man, a lot of people, every, well, I'll just say it this way. Number one, nobody, as you guys have said, nobody has perfect parents. It's just not possible because your parents were humans. On the other hand, somebody even uses that as a pass to say, well, nobody's perfect, so you're expecting perfection, and that's not going to happen, so you're being unrealistic. Some people have bad parents, okay? Some people have parents who went too far, where maybe, as I said, the words toxic and abusive get thrown around way too easy as an excuse to not fulfill your duty to somebody. Maybe you had abusive parents. Maybe that was part of the equation. Um those failings are very real. And so honor your father and mother is not pretend those things didn't happen. Honor your father and mother isn't say, give give them a pass, tell them it's okay that they did those things. It, it really isn't that at all. It's saying, okay, whatever issue there is, that issue is real and maybe I'll try to address it. Maybe they're not open to addressing it. I still have to show honor to some degree. I still have to uh, honor the office, in a sense, of of father and mother uh, that God has called me to honor them in that way, even if the people themselves maybe don't seem that honorable. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. That bringing in that office idea of like I don't politically, but people don't always respect the presidency or, or the president, I should say. But you should respect the presidency. You should respect the office, um, regardless of whoever you think is, wherever you fall in the political spectrum, you may or may not respect the president, but the office itself is worthy, and it's the same thing as parents. You may or may not respect your your parents and the decisions that they made, but you ought to respect the office that they hold, and one day, Lord willing, you'll, you know, if you're not there yourself, hopefully you hold that office, and, and that you can make better choices with it, but I think one word of caution I'll give to people is... Jack, you touched on this of just kind of pushing under the rug and and they tried their best or whatever else. And, you know, maybe they didn't. There's going to be people that are saying, absolutely, they didn't. And there's going to be people that say, yeah, I gave my parents a pass and I forgave them a long time ago. But then anytime their parent does something, it can set them off and there's still a lot of anger there. What I would say, I hate to bring in therapy every week, but um, I run into this a lot. Of course, I work with people that have had all sorts of things happen from their parents, abuse, any sort of abuse you can name and, and neglect, um, all of it, all sorts of attachment issues. And, um, I find that those who are too quick to forgive their parents without actually going, doing, going through the work and processing what was done are not better off for it. Um, they just kind of prolong the inevitable. And I think if you can address it with your parents in a structured setting in a structured way, I think that can be really good. And that's part of, in my opinion, that's part of honoring them. 
That's part of you going out and saying, okay, this was not okay. Uh, you may not get that opportunity, and we have our ways in therapy, empty chair, and things like that to work through it without ever talking to your parents. Some people's parents are, have passed, and they don't have the opportunity to really say the things they need to. But either way, I do think that part of honoring your parents is seeking the relationship with them, even even with all their faults, and not writing them off as, well, they're terrible people, therefore I don't want them. It's, I'm going to try to work to the point to a place where I can speak with them, maybe about their faults, maybe about the things they, in the ways they really hurt me, but I do value having a relationship with the people that God gave me uh, or the people that really God, yeah, gave me too. Um, So in, in that honoring, we should not be very quick to just either ignore that fifth commandment because, well, you don't understand how bad they are. Um... Or, or to, yeah, to kind of let it slide. But on the other end of it is the idea of healthy boundaries. Before we get to that, the okay. as you're talking about, you know, the forgiveness and all that, this is one of those situations in which we can kind of say, well, it's hard to do the biblical command, so I don't have to. Um, you know, it says love your neighbor as yourself and the golden rule, the, the practical application of that, treat others as you want to be treated. If you were somebody who had stumbled and, and fallen short and sinned against somebody else in that way, you would want them to give you that other chance to let you know, to, to try and work it out with you. Maybe your parents are not that magnanimous. Maybe that effort is rebuffed. They're not interested. They're, okay, but, you know, you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The other is uh, Jesus, after he says the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew 6, uh, where he says, forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Then the commentary he gives after the amen is, if you don't forgive others, your father's not going to forgive you. And forgiveness doesn't, yeah, I've, I don't know if I've done this on the podcast before. This is how I always illustrate it. Uh, that people say, well, can you forgive somebody who hasn't asked for forgiveness or asked for, you know, if they haven't repented to you, haven't apologized. Forgiveness, uh, write the word forgiveness on the piece of paper. You can set it in the middle of the table. They can take it, you know, and, and that would be apologizing and saying, I need this forgiveness. I will take it from you. Thank you very much. As long as you hold it in your pocket, you're withholding it and waiting on them, you're you're just doing yourself a disservice. You're going right. to burn you up. You have a responsibility to extend it. You have it yeah, you can't walk around the table and put it in their pocket either. You can't forgive them if they're not, you know, like you can't make the whole thing. You can't, one person can't make a, 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 that kind of transgression against another person go away. It takes the for, extending of the forgiveness and the accepting of forgiveness, but you have to extend it. And so, again, this is one of those commands that, well, it's hard. You don't know what happened. There's there's a reason why I don't have to obey God's word. On No, you do. You do have to treat them as you would want to be treated. You do have to extend forgiveness as you want to be forgiven by your father. That's the hard part of this. Um but that it's gets not us just sweeping to, it under the rug, though. Right? I'll, it's I'll not. Say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not sweeping, sweeping it under the rug. the rug. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is well, I forgive him. I blindly forgive him. Wrong. Well, that that's what I'm saying is stuffing the forgiveness right. in their pocket. All right, I've, I've the matter is over with. I was like, no, you've only done your half of it. If they want to do the other half, that's fine. Right. All you can do is this half of it. Um, now, so with that in mind, get to the healthy boundaries part of it, Joe. Of there, there might be a need to structure your relationship with them in a way that honors them but also maybe keeps yourself from being hurt, keeps the, 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 maybe the clashes from continuing to happen or whatever it may be. So there's leave and cleave. Will mentioned it, right? Leave and cleave. And there's some parents that don't allow you to leave. Um, they don't want you to cleave somebody else. And they, there's a lot of parents these days that, once again, from an attachment perspective, um, the kids pretty much are the emotional rock for the kid or for the parents. And the kid has learned, I better take care of my parents' emotional being at all costs. And so the parent kind of gets to be the kid emotionally, and the kid has to grow up real fast to take care of the parents' emotions. And that's really unhealthy. And I think for kids that recognize that, there needs to be some boundaries set of like, my job is not to take care of my parents' every whim, every need, every emotion. My job is to pursue the relationship and to pursue what's best for them, which is godly love, right? I'm pursuing what's best for them. And sometimes setting boundaries not allowing yourself to be walked on, setting boundaries with, um, I hate the idea of like, well, they're toxic, so I'm going to set boundaries. Toxic, toxic. Don't. If, if you're using the word toxic, please stop. Um, your parents, maybe they actually are. I don't know, but either way, it's so overused. I just, I don't like that word. Be the more point specific. Here, be more yes, specific. The point you know, here they're is, dangerous, are they, if they're like are literally they, dangerous, exactly. say that. Are they dangerous? Right. 
make your make it more specific. Are they dangerous? And you might say, well, they're emotionally difficult. dangerous, right? Yeah, I, yeah, it, difficult. There's they're a difference hurtful, between things like that. Toxic is just. And this is why using broad. toxic is yes, it's such a bad word. Is like such a bad bad or a problematic word to bad use. Bad use is, of the word. Yeah. Bad use of the word. Yeah, would be well, my parents are they're just kind of jerks. They're just mean. To my parents beat me growing up, and I'm afraid that they're going to beat my kids as well. They never work through the issues, or they're sexually abusive. Like, big difference. Well, my parents are toxic. It could be anything on the spectrum. So be very specific in saying what the issue is with your parents. And, you know, the setting of the boundaries is to make sure you keep yourself and and or your kids safe, right? But at the same time, also, the purpose of boundaries is what's best for you and what's best for the other person. Because it sounds like they may need boundaries. If you're setting boundaries because, well, you know, I'm just sick of my parents. I find I have a real problem with that. Well, let me ask the question and I'll answer it and then I'll ask it uh, to you guys. It's this question of, okay, so at what point do you cut them off or, or maybe cut them off is not the right word. At what point do you distance, you know, yourself from them? What What is the line that, you know, use the word toxic or dangerous? What is the line? I hate to break it to, to a lot of people. The, the line of, well they disagree with me politically is not an appropriate line to distance yourself from your parents or to cut them off. The line of, well, you know what? They just really get on my nerves because of their old fashioned or traditional views. So I'm going to cut that. That's not an appropriate um, reason or line to cut them off and to distance and to distance yourself. And so that's what we really, and we're talking about the boundaries. That's what we really have to, to figure out is what is that line? What what are the times that we have to cut them off and, and, and distance? So you've already said the obvious one, if, literally, if the, the dangerous side, if you feel like your kids are in harm's way. Um, what are some other ones? Again, like I just said, the, the political disagreement, the they get on my nerves. Or they're we saw COVID a lot, right? Yeah. You know, they didn't, they yeah, don't wear masks or, or they didn't vaccinate. Therefore, my kids will never see them. They'll never be around them. And I realize there's some hot, button issues you know around that but i don't see that as a reason to cut off your relationship with your yeah. with your parents in the least right jack look like you have thought no it's just there are so many stories like that covid political i think it was uh, jennifer lawrence the actress the other day had a thing yeah. about having to deal with my parents who voted for trump or whatever and it's like they're your parents okay you can disagree strongly on that but when cnn tells you to hate people who you know voted for the other side I'm sorry. God told you to honor your father and mother. Not that Jennifer Lawrence right. cares about that, but you should. Right. You know, Christians should. Um, there is a time and a place. You know, if there are people, you know, like who maybe they're the the you know one side of the parents, so the the grandparents of the grandkids are not you know like whether they you know have a, a sex offender registry you know listing like they've they've been caught at something or they just like are really pushing boundaries and will not listen to don't do that around my kid don't talk that way around my kid don't you know and and they won't respect you as the parent of your children in that sense and they're they're things like that that raise concern and that's been addressed and that it won't change yeah you know there is a time and a place because you owe your kids as well right you owe your family you owe your spouse if if your parents are constantly you know disrespecting your spouse there is a hierarchy here and so you know you can you're not violating honor your father and mother if in that hierarchy you say i've got to protect them and i'm sorry you're not allowed to just continue on hurting them or putting them at risk or or whatever else and so there there's a time and a place but we are so quick to do it in this society over stupid things like we just addressed that those legitimate ones kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes. There are some legitimate ones. Thankfully, I think those are pretty rare, and they, they should not be uh, something that we see a lot of. The fact that we're seeing a lot of those family fractures, um, not, not a good indication, but there is a time and a place, I, I would think so. I think there's a lot of parents who feel this judgment from their kids. And when the parents feel the judgment from the kids that my kids don't like me, they're setting boundaries, they don't want to be around me, the parents clam up and they don't want the relationship because like, well, if you don't want me, which is, is you know, more of a childish response, I think. Um, the parent, I, I would speak to both sides here. I would say sometimes for the kids, yes, occasionally there are parents that are absolute jerks. I'm not denying it. I've worked with plenty of them. Um you know, where that is actually the case. At the same time, they have to answer for God, uh, to God for, for, you know, the way they treat you. You have to answer to God for the way you treat them. And the fighting fire with fire and, well, they treated me like a jerk, so I'm I'm justified to do it is not right. Well, there's also to the, the parents, sense of, I'm the kid, why should I have to be the bigger man? And in a perfect world, you're right. 
but it's no, not yeah, a perfect I would world. agree. And that's what I was going to say. Speaking to the parents, you are the parent. You are, you should be the bigger man. You should be the one that is willing to take the L a little bit so as to preserve the relationship. There's a higher standard God, almost. Yeah. Yes, because God gave you, you are the steward to return that kid back to God. And if you have, have you know, basically provoked them to wrath, which is specifically spoken against in Ephesians 6, because of your parenting, you have a duty to go make it right with your brother and always having your kids come to you and say, well, I didn't like this and I didn't like that. It's like you should, as a parent, reach out and go, all right, I've noticed the relationship is not great. I want to work on that. I want to do it. But I'm sorry, but this is going to sound really mean. How many parents do you know who are willing to do it, who actually do that, who put their ego aside and go, I think our relationship isn't what it could be, and I'm afraid maybe I did something or whatever it is. What can I do to make it right? How can we, you know, I feel like maybe there's some conversations we need to have to really reestablish this relationship. It is almost always the kid, even the Jordan Peterson, right? It's almost always the kid having to go to the parent and make it right and, and you know, try to talk about why it matters to them. That's ridiculous. When you talk about the parent making it right, a blanket, well, sorry if I ever did anything, or, or something like that, you know, I know you got things, that, you know, that you hold against me and I'm sorry for, that's not it. You know, like, it, right. I'm sure it's really tough to sit in here. Here's how you hurt me. Here's the baggage that I'm carrying from this. And and to hear that and realize I caused that pain, and that damage, and I, and then to be able to say I'm sorry for, that's hard. I mean, all of this is hard. All, everything we're talking about, being the bigger man, whether you're the parent or the, the kid, when I say right. the kid, you know, the, the offspring, um, these are real life difficult things. These are, are challenges that are, are very emotional. It's, you know, your first relationship in life is that father-mother relationship. And, and so, you know, again, you carry it with you, good, bad, and otherwise, the entire rest of your life. I mean, you look like your parents. Uh, you know, like there, there's, there's inescapable realities of this. Right, you can only and, escape so much. Right, and, and so the, you know... Working on that relationship is a great thing, and you know what? It takes two sides that are humble, two sides that want to do what God wants them to do, and and you know, on the parent side of it, you want to be an honorable person. Your kid has to honor, you know, in the same sense that you know the government can say, well, your your Bible tells you you got to honor me, and anyway, or a husband can say you've got to honor me and submit, and that's that. Like, okay, there is that, but why don't you do your job to? to be that person who is honorable, that person who is easier to submit to, that person who is easy to respect, uh, even if, you know, don't make that harder on them than they need to. That's your your job in this. Well, we're so bad as a society at communicating in general. And so I think these, these points that y'all are making about, you know, trying to build that relationship back, establish it, talk through these things. Look, I mean... Joe, you're a therapist. You know, you've talked before about the the critical importance of communicating. You know, within a marriage, they'll start there. You know, the fact that, you know, one of the number one reasons for um, just marital issues is often just communication issues because we don't talk about these things. And so I think that definitely applies, again, not just to kind of piggyback off of what y'all are saying. Communication, the, the hard conversations sometimes are very uncomfortable. They're very awkward. We don't want to hear them, as Jack said just a second ago. And so no matter which side of it you're on, the, the offspring, the kid's side, or the parent side, these are if, if you if you are struggling with this these issues as far as the you know, the setting boundaries or the, the general dislike for your parents or just the kind of unhealthy relationship, these are things that are that are tough to work through, but that's the importance of communication. That's what it's for. And so you have to be willing to take that step. You have to be willing to deal with the, with the awkward hour, hour and a half, two hours, three hours, however long it takes. But these are th- this command is worth following. This is something that you have to be willing to do those things in order to to follow that command to the best of your ability. We're gonna we're gonna move on here, and I'm gonna come back to this at the end. But I do want to say, while we're still on this topic, look, if you're a parent that's listening and you don't have a good relationship with your kids. I don't know the I don't know the whole you know situation, and you're gonna say, "Well, I have tried this, I've tried that." Okay, I'm asking as the parent, humble yourself, go to your kid, and say, "I want to make it right." If you are the kid listening to this and you have a poor relationship with your parent, humble yourself, go to your parent, and say, "I want to make it right." They may have done a lot of things. Obviously, I'm not saying put yourself in danger, nothing like that. But if it's Be just willing a general lot of listening too, uh, yes, if you exactly. Do all the talking, it's probably not gonna get you to where you want to be. And be willing to say, how about we go halvesies on on therapy? Let's get some family therapy. I don't care if you're 30 and 60. 
Be willing to maybe try to hash some things out. If you can't do it on your own is when you need to bring a therapist in where there's somewhat of a referee, but somebody who can structure it. I All I'm saying is I'm, I'm, I'm challenging our listeners, make it right. This really matters. And you never grow out. Well, I'm, I'm above 18. Uh, no, 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 no. You're a child for life. You're a child to your parent. This is part of the honoring. This is part of what makes it, you know, such a, it's a beautiful thing when you have, especially adult, it's one thing to have it as, as kids. Yeah, I got a good relationship with my kids at, at a young age, especially two adults where the relationship is now one of mentoring. It's one of discipleship and, and it's more friendship now, the older you get. I'm, I'm convinced there's three stages of parenting. There's, you know, the, the parenting that takes place up until probably 15, 16, there's the mentorship that as the kid gets older, you ought to be a mentor where the kid listens to you because he loves you, he likes you, you know, he, he respects you. And then as you get into the 30s, 40s, maybe you become more of a friend. You're always going to be the parent. There's always going to be a hierarchy there. Um, but I think you can become more friends and share life experiences and such on a different level. Um, but at the same time, I'm just challenging our listeners. So we'll come back around. I'll challenge it at the end. I want to move on, though, to dealing with the elderly. This is a... a this is tough because we're, and we were talking off air about this. There's a lot of nuance here uh, to these discussions. And we realize we're young. Thankfully, you know, luckily we do not have this situation with our parents. Our parents are, are still uh, pretty young um, compared to what we're talking about here. But, you know, you look at the elderly and you see those going into nursing homes. Fellas, I'm going to throw it to you. What are your thoughts on honoring your parents and putting them in a nursing home or honoring your parents or putting them in a nursing home? Do you think you can honor your parents and still put them in a nursing home? I know some believe yes, some believe no. I'm curious where you guys fall on that. Um, and and if kind of explain your position on how you come to your conclusions. So there are obviously some that um, are very quick to say immediately uh, the idea of, of sticking your, your parents in a nursing home is wrong on its face. And I think the spirit behind that is, for the most part, this is a generalization. This is, again, just kind of stereotypical. Why is it so often that people, say even in the world, stick their family, stick their parents in a nursing home? Because it's easier on them, and they really don't have to sacrifice that much for it, right? Oftentimes, they're using their parents' money, so they're not out financially and kind of out of sight, out of mind, right? It's difficult to take care of the elderly. And so... They, again, their quality of life, their schedule, their finances, whatever, are not affected. So that's what they're going to do. And so that, I, I do believe there is something biblically wrong with that. If that is your position of, well, I really just don't want to deal with my parents, so let me just pay somebody else to take care of them. I do think that that is something that is biblically wrong on its face. Um, now, when you get to the question of, okay, what about if it's not in that spirit? What about if, you know, if, if you are going to have to, let's say you, you're, you are somebody who works a certain amount of hours and you're going to have to cut back on your hours. You're going to have to cut back on your working in order to take care of your family or in order to take care of your parents. And so then the providing for your family is going to suffer. The, it, it's not, it, it, be, it becomes less of a quality of life thing and just, a, well, it's going to be an inconvenience and more of, no, my, my actual family, my kids, my wife are going to suffer because I'm not going to be able to work as much. I'm not going to be able to make as much money. That's when you get into the nuance, Joe, that you just brought up of is, is it necessarily wrong in right. that sense? I think in a general sense, before I hand it over to Jack, you should do everything that you can outside of a nursing home to take care of your parents. I think First Timothy 5.8 that we brought up quite a bit talking, you know, talking kind of about providing for your immediate wife and kids family. That's talking about taking care of the elderly, taking care of, of widows and those who are older in, in, in context that in context there. And he says, if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than the faith and is worse than, or you've denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, you know, and somebody might say, well, I'm, I'm, I am providing for them, sticking them in a nursing home. I think you should be doing everything that you can again, outside of a nursing home for you to take care of your family. Now I'm not going to come out and say any Christian who has their parents in a nursing home is, is wrong and is sinning. Why? Because I don't know every single situation. You physically may be absolutely unable because of, of low income, because you're having to take care of your kids, whatever. You don't have time, whatever it is, to take care of your family or to take care of your parents. And so maybe in those instances, nursing home is the best option. I, I'm, I'm not there yet. My, my parents are young. They're healthy. And so this is one of those got to cross that bridge when we get there type of thing. Um, 
I've got three siblings, and so that's hopefully something we can kind of share duties on with, with helping with our parents. But that was very long-winded. I apologize, Jack. What, what do you what would you have to either add or disagree with on that? No, I think you're right in that we can't get into the specifics, but it should be a general posture for Christians uh, to think of it a certain way. Um, I think the when Joe was introducing that topic, I realized some people might be listening and be like. Um, what like this might be new to a lot of people to even think of this as like maybe we shouldn't do that maybe we should be hesitant or cautious about that because it is so standard it's just they get to a certain age they save up their retirement their medicare you know comes together and this is where you put them and you know i've known dementia patient uh, kind of people where like the the care was as such that it was real hard for anybody to to be able to take care of them without well, I mean, because care like that is, is yeah 24 7 care and so right yeah, right and, and, and so again there are those situations but i as i said i think the general posture really is there of honoring your father and mother includes that kind of care form i you know uh, as a minister you have those kind of visits to the people in the, in the nursing homes and things like that and it's really sad when you go into somebody who, you know, their kids come and see them once or twice a week for a few minutes, and the rest of the time they sit there and stare out the window. Um, that that is that really the honor that's due them? And the other side that I, I really think that is beautiful about the families that have committed to caring for their parents and, and keeping them with them in the home and uh, that kind of thing, which, again, is, is the historical, how it's always been. This is just what families do, is you are responsible for your parents. Uh, it's it's a more recent thing to not be that way. But it's a, to me, there's real beauty in the cycle of life. You know, I've, I've got, my kids we've talked about right now, I've got these twins. That's a lot of diaper changes. That's a lot of feeding. They are totally helpless. They are totally dependent on us and will be for some time. Uh, even my two-year-old is dependent on us for a whole lot of stuff. The four-year-old, I mean, like, you're growing them to that point, and it comes to the point of, like, you're, you trade that out. You get them into adulthood, and as, as Allison and I grow, Lord willing, into our old age, and as the kids grow, Lord willing, you know, that there's that repaying the favor of, of what my parents did for me, you know, when I was fully dependent and bring me along in this world. And that goes along with the stuff we talked about at the start about generationally, how much disrespect there is toward our predecessors and, and wanting to detach ourselves from them is like, really, the honor your father and mother to a degree goes to a, de- a, a you know, ingratitude issue. I remember when abortion was overturned, there were people holding signs of like, I never asked to be born. And it's like that. What a pessimistic, nihilistic view toward life, you know. Of you know, my parents brought me here against my will, and I'm stuck here. And and it's like, if that's your view, why why not just kill yourself? And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people end up in. And so your parents, you know, had you. And and whether it was your parents or if your parents gave you up and somebody else did it, somebody was there for you, taking care of you, nurturing you, bringing you along, raising you up, feeding you, giving you things, you know training you, doing all the things they did for you. And so one of the best ways to honor that is to repay the favor when they aren't capable, when they, you know, when their uh, facilities decline, when their their ability to care for themselves decline uh, declines. And so um, I, I think I would, I, I think that's an even longer winded thing to say. I, I agree with you, Will. Um, we can't get into specifics. I can't tell anybody what your family should do other than to have this attitude of if it's in our if it's something we can do uh we should have the attitude toward let's try to make this work to the best of our ability joe what yeah i don't know that i have much to add i was thinking as you were talking about it yeah there's gonna be some people listening to this maybe who grew up in an orphanage right um maybe maybe just had a really difficult childhood and you say man i don't like this one um i get it and, and, you know, we're, we, we feel bad and, and sorry for those who have not had a, or who've had very, you know, a very traumatic experience with parenting. That's why God is the perfect father. He's the perfect parent, right? Um, what we're he, saying well, he says, here is, uh, I he's think, a father to the fatherless. I mean, that's a, right. a title he claims for himself, you know, and thank right. him for and that. And so we recognize that there may be some, um, yeah, some extenuating circumstances. But the reason why we decided to record this podcast is we also realize there's a lot of people who would love to think that their circumstances are extenuating and they're just not. Well, you don't understand how big a jerk my dad is, or you don't understand how controlling my mom is, or whatever it may be. Um, I, I've just not seen the excuse here in scripture to go out on a, you know, go out of your way to dishonor them or to set so many boundaries that they they only get to see the grandkids once a year because otherwise it's just, they're just toxic. Um, 
try to make it work, man. Your parents are your parents. I think honoring is, that's all we're trying to say is it's throughout scripture to the parents out there. Yeah. Live your life in such a way that you are worthy of honor and respect. Even if you're not to the kids, you still, it's, it's honoring the position. It's respecting the position and therefore you honor and respect them. Even if you don't think they're deserving of it, but for the parents who can, man, give it your best and, and desire their relationship with your kids. Well, once again, they're past 18, I get so sick of hearing the 18-year-old excuse that um, basically, well, we stopped having a relationship with them, and that's okay. That's their call. I'm going to let them come to me on their own. Kids are stupid. They're not going to come to you. They're going to go out on their friends. Look at, uh, who's it, Rehoboam, that, you know, his buddies come to him, and it's like he could have listened to the older, wiser elders of the time, and no, I'm going to listen to my friends. He listened to his childhood friends, yeah. That's right. Make it so much harder on the people. That's what we do. We need people to help us out of that, and that's, I'm sure he was probably you know, a young man at the time, that's when we need you the most. So please help us in that. Don't let 18 be the excuse. If they're still under your home, in your home, and, and, and to the people that are living at home, I don't care if you turned 18. In my opinion, if you are under your parents' roof and you have not gone out on your own and made your own way, I would I would strongly suggest it's more than honoring. I think you need to obey them. You are under their, their roof. And if you want to strike out on your own at 24 and decide how you're going to pay for your things. Well, that's part of being a man. That's part of being an adult. But if you're going to be at 20 or 21 and just play video games all day, but my parents can't tell me what they're going to, you know, what to do because I'm 21. I'm, I've turned over 18. You're under your parents' roof. Yeah. We can pretty safely say that's unbiblical. Yeah, exactly. So go out, get a job, do something, you know, to, to support or not, uh, or or make sure you're obeying your parents. So I, I'll speak yeah, to that. The privileges we, of, of being a man, but not the responsibilities. Yeah. Bingo, bingo. So that's all I'm saying is I think there's a huge generation. We didn't really touch on that. There's a huge part of that who think that that's okay. That's not okay. Um, if, if you're going to s- subscribe to the 18, you better be a man at 18 and go out and make your own way. So, fellas, with that, um, I'm looking back I, through I our outline. Say I one last thing. Yeah, go for it. Um, I feel like this is a lot like the lust and modesty discussion in that we're talking about two issues that are very much related and lean on each other, but the responsibilities are two totally separate camps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we had that episode on modesty and lust and, uh, you know, that the man is totally responsible for himself. He cannot look at her and say it's her fault. But on the other hand, she's still responsible for herself, too. You know, he, he can't blame her, but she's got something to do. In the same sense of this, of like, try to be the kind of parent who can be on. In fact, the people that you see where their kids rise up and dye their hair purple and hate their parents and say, I wish I had never been born, that reflects on the parents. Whether, you know, we talked about that, you know, in another episode about uh, Proverbs 22, 6, and, oh, that's just a general principle. Well, it says something if your kids grow up and, and that's their posture towards you and your parentage. So try to be that kind of parent. But you know what? On the other side, whether they were or they weren't, you're still told to honor them. You're still told, right. again, to treat them with that forgiveness, with that love, with all the, 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 not to gossip about them, not to, all of the things that you're supposed to do towards anybody else, you're supposed to do to your parents, even if it's that much harder with the, the proximity of the relationship. And so 100% responsibility on the, the offspring, 100% responsibility on the parents, um, to do their side of the equation. And, and this side, we're especially focusing on that honoring that comes from well, the children, quote-unquote. And to just kind of wrap it up here, some of y'all might be wondering, okay, what, what's the big deal? with? Why did they devote an entire episode to this? You know, what, What's the significance behind it? As we started with, God's Word has a lot to say about this. You know, Old Testament, New Testament. This, this is not just one of those oh, kind of, obs- kind of obscure, you know, go to one or two places and it's briefly mentioned. No, this was a enormous principle in the Old Testament, just as much of an enormous principle in the New Testament, you know, talking about children and parents. And so if God has a lot to say about it, we feel like it's something that most definitely needs to be pointed out and something that needs to be worked on if this is something that, that you struggle with, again, on either side, as Jack just pointed out. And so that that's the reason why we decided to devote an entire episode to it. Um, gentlemen, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up this episode? Well, that's why he said kill the ones that like really violate this is your society cannot tolerate this attitude and you look at our society how rampant this attitude is look at the results that's why we wanted to talk about this is it is a social church-wide like a really big issue that has gigantic implications right that's right exactly um i will just once again reiterate because i said i talked about it at the end i am challenging our listeners make it right 
make it right. You know, these relationships matter. Multi-generational faithfulness, we've talked about that, another one, you know, but the idea of really passing it down through the generations, this is what it's built upon, is parents treating their children right, children treating their parents, honoring their parents right. Um, that's the way that we build strong churches, which builds strong communities, which builds a, you know, stronger country and a stronger world. And so it really starts at home, and it starts even after they've left your home, making it right. So Yes, I'm challenging. If you're a parent with a with a poor relationship with your kid, humble yourself, pray about it, see what you can do to make it right. Be willing to listen, as Jack said. Be willing to listen, and and to truly, genuinely ask for forgiveness. Not this general. Well, whatever I did wrong. No, no, no. What did you? Do? What did I do wrong? I'm so sorry that I hurt you. You know, in this way, and I I wouldn't even say I never meant to do it. They know you never meant to. Quote unquote. It doesn't really help. Just. Allow them to sit in that emotion for a little bit. Let them get that out on the other side. To the kids, your relationship with your parents, your parents may not be the best of parents. They may um, they may not even appreciate the forgiveness. Offer it anyway. Honor them. I'm challenging our, our listeners. This is a challenge for me as well. Um, you know, to think about my relationship with my parents, I think it's pretty good, but I think there's some things I could definitely do to, to work on that as well. And so I think this is challenging to everybody. Um, so yeah, with that, fellas, any last things? I think we'll... All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you again soon.